Hey, welcome to Lutheran Basics. My name is Pastor Jonathan Petzold, and um, I serve as a senior pastor here at Trinity. And I'm Krista. I'm Pastor Jonathan's wife. This is the final lesson, lesson six of the Introduction to Lutheranism series, which is part of the new member um, content at Trinity. So um, there's an in-person component to this class. So if you're part of that class, make sure that you um, fill out your your handout. We're on page 13 tonight and write down any notes or comments, questions you have and bring them with you to the, to the class. Um, so today we are finishing up the small catechism with the Ten Commandments, yeah. which is actually the first part of the small catechism. Yes, yes. So <laughs> coming full circle. Yeah, coming first of full circle. So uh, let me start off just by saying, uh, you'll see this is number one in your journal. Uh, Christians live in God's left-hand realm of the world that strives for peace and order, and in God's right-hand realm of the church that strives for proclamation of the gospel. Now, this is maybe kind of a, a funny way to think about uh, how God reigns, but you can almost imagine that like God um, reigns with with uh, both hands, right, uh, in in the world, and and he's kind of got a, a hand in the church, of course. We've talked a lot about that uh, throughout all these lessons, but but God is also the God of the world uh, that that He's working through not just the church, but the government and community and, and family and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, as Christians, we live in both. We, we live in God's right-hand realm of the church and, and what that means to be a Christian and what it means to be part of a Christian community and, and, and grow as disciples. But also, uh, we, we live in families and communities and neighborhoods and we have to vote and all that kind of stuff. And and so uh, the, the Ten Commandments kind of tie together uh, a Christian's entire life with how God um, designs us to live in the world in both realms, right? So, so we're going to look at the, at the Ten Commandments, and this is kind of be like a speed run version through all the Ten Commandments. I do encourage you um, to, to maybe go deeper on these um, uh, than, than we'll be able to during this lesson or in this class, uh, because um, the, the small catechism, I, I've, I, I'll just say I've personally found it very helpful to understand the Ten Commandments and, and to see the commandments as a guide for living. Um, how, how should we live in light of how God designs the world? And that's really what the Ten Commandments are. They they kind of describe or give a picture of God's design for our world and our life. So so uh, please make sure you check those out just on a, on a deeper level. So um, have we talked about the law yet? I can't remember. Yeah, a little bit. So. Yeah. Um, uh, We'll, we'll use this as a discussion question as well, but but God's law has three uses, right? So um, it has the curb, which tells us, all right, here's what we have to do. Um, it, it gives us the mirror, and here's how far we fall short of what we have to do. And then and then God's law also gives us the guide. So um, how how because of how God has designed things to work, here's here's how then we um, strive to live. And Jesus says. When he he says that he has not come to abolish the law but to fulfill it, um, and so the Ten Commandments are like a summary of the moral law of God, right? And so they're connected um, just intrinsically to His character. Mm -hmm. So um, 
they are both something we have to do because we are God's creatures and something we get to do because we are his creatures made new, right? Yeah, right. So we are on the hook for it. We have Jesus, though, who has done it perfectly for us. But then we also have the Holy Spirit, who, according to sanctification, which we talked about in the last session, like enables us to grow in our ability to actually live this way, right? Um, which is a better way to live. Uh, so, like, each of these commandments protects what God has created that is good for us and for, like, human life together to thrive. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's kind of what the um, the next fill-in-the-blanks kind of describe, right? So number two there, the Ten Commandments help to paint a picture of God's design for an ideal world. And each of the commandments acts as a fence protecting an institution of God's good creation. So you can kind of imagine that, like, uh, of course, when you build a fence, you're, you're trying, you're probably trying to protect something inside the fence. And so the Ten Commandments show us what something good is that God has given us and, and how we live um, mm -hmm. with with that institution of God's gift in our lives. And so we'll, yeah. we'll identify those as we go through the commandments. Yeah, that's really important. I think I think because we live in a in a culture that is very much against the law, like people do not want to be, they don't want to keep the commandments. Uh, you know that like they're not arbitrary. It's not like God has just like a list of rules that He's just going to make us follow to be nitpicky. Um, like they're good for us. Like and keeping them will be better than not keeping them. Like. Yeah. It will improve your life, you know, which isn't the reason we keep them. We don't keep them because we're trying to get something out of God either. Right, right. Um, yeah. Well, let's let's dive in and let's, yeah. let's start with the, the, the first and best and biggest commandment, right? Okay, so I'm going to read these out from, I'm on page 13 of the small catechism. Cool. Uh, so the first commandment, you shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Awesome. So, uh, so the first commandment, uh, we would say protects um, ju just the the knowledge of God uh, and really uh, kind of our our relationship with that God, um, and and making sure that we have the the right thing as the source of all goodness and, and truth. So, so what is a God? We would say um, a God is is that that thing or entity uh, from which you expect all good. Yeah. Um, and, and all protection and security. And, so and if truth. you're looking to something <clears throat> for good, for your, your provision or care, mm -hmm. then that has become a God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and one other question we can kind of ask as we go through these is not just what, what does each commandment protect, but hey, when Jesus comes back and he raises us from the dead and he makes us brand new and, and we are sinless and, and he um, restores the design to what it should be. What, what is the promise there? Uh, well, the promise here in the first commandment is that you, you shall have no other gods, that you will no longer be a sinner who is constantly looking at other sources of uh, goodness and truth and, and protection and security. You, you, you will have that right relationship with the one true God perfectly. That's it's pretty cool. Let's go to the second commandment. Second. Um, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie, or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. Awesome. So so what the second commandment here is protecting 
is kind of like the institution of God's name. So, so this is now taking it kind of one step further than the first commandment. Um, so now it's not just acknowledging um, the, the right and true uh, source of all goodness and security as, as God, uh, but now it's putting a, a name on him. So this is where we, we have more of like an intimate relationship with that God. Uh, we're not just calling God the, the I always like to think of, think of like the generic store brand name for God, which is God. Uh, he actually gives us a name to call him by. Um, and, and so this is us saying, um, as, as he has now placed his name on us as well in baptism, so that we each bear the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, how are we uh, bearing that name in, in a way that actually represents God well? So here's a question. What does using satanic arts have to do with God's name? Yeah, so, so using satanic arts is uh, not, it, it is not uh, dealing with God according to his promises. It is um, trying to find other ways around what God has promised peculiarly uh, or particularly. Uh, And so it's... Of course, invoking something other than God. Right, right. Uh, So satanic arts, some some translations say witchcraft, basically, you know, paganism, right? Like we're talking about anytime you um, try to get something supernatural... Not through God. So right. you're worshiping the creation. Yeah. Right? So you're not viewing Jesus as Lord. Right. So in that way, it is attack on Jesus' name because he is not being exalted. Yeah. And, and, and the Bible very, very closely ties the name of God and how he, how, how he reveals himself and, and who he calls himself to be with his truth and, and uh, with his word and, um, and wants us to abide by his his law and his gospel. And so when we try to circumvent that and find other ways to do that, um, like in satanic arts or witchcraft, uh, that is not honoring the name of God. Right. Um, so let's also look at the first petition here, because the first petition of the Lord's Prayer uh, also has to do with the second God's commandment, name. God's name. Okay. The first petition is, Hallowed be thy name. <laughs> What does this mean? God's name is certainly holy in itself, but we pray in this petition that it may be kept holy among us also. How is God's name kept holy? God's name is kept holy when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity, and we as the children of God also lead holy lives according to it. Help us to do this, dear Father in heaven. But anyone who teaches or lives contrary to God's word profanes the name of God among us. Protect us from this, Heavenly Father. Yeah, so so this is kind of interesting. So the same thing that we were talking about with like witchcraft and satanic arts is also what what we do when we we don't uh, what does it say uh, when we don't um, have the word of God taught uh, in its truth and purity. So so bad doctrine, of course, that that is not um, by definition uh, going along with what God has given to us in His Word. It's it's ignoring His name. It's circumventing His name. Right. right. So it's saying, so it, it's um, attributing things to Jesus inaccurately. Right. right? So if you um, hold to a belief that is, you know, false, then you're saying, like, this is who Jesus is, but you're incorrect about that. That's slander. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it comes under the second commandment <clears throat> um, purity of teaching. Right. Right. Well, let's go to the third commandment. And um, let's do two things. Let's let's read the third commandment 
in the small catechism. And then we're going to read it in a couple of other places in scripture. Okay, third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching in his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Cool. So then uh, <coughs> there's actually uh, two places in scripture that, that give us the Ten, the ten Commandments. Um, one is in Exodus chapter 20, and the other one is in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Um, and what's interesting about these is that in this, in this uh, same list of the Ten Commandments, the Third Commandment is, is of course, given twice in that list, but um, it sounds different in each um, giving of it. So, so let's read the first one from Exodus chapter 20. All right, verse 8. Verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. All right, so so notice that the reason why God says to uh, abide by the third commandment, to keep the Sabbath day holy, is because um, in God's work of creation, um, on the seventh day, God also rested. Um, so he's, he's kind of tying that Sabbath day to creation and um, kind of like the, the enjoyment of God's good creation. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, listen for how this one is a little bit different. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your male servant or your female servant, or your ox or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. All right. So so that one was different because God was saying, hey, you should keep the Sabbath day holy uh, because I redeemed you, Israelites, uh, from Egypt. And I, I made you my own. So so the, the Sabbath then uh, really really has to do with, with God's work of both creation and redemption. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, the Sabbath day is, is, is resting in both of those. It's an institution, uh, it's a gift that God gives us to, to rest in his, in his works of creation and redemption. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and really what we look forward to, uh, and, and the promise that we look forward to, uh, is when Jesus returns, um, he restores his creation and actually he's redeeming his creation. Uh, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in, in the, the dig deeper when we uh, discuss in class. But um, really, that that's what we uh, that, that's the reason why we gather at church is is because we have a God who's redeeming us uh, and redeeming His world uh, for eternity. Uh, so that's something to celebrate. Yeah, and we um, the early church moved the Sabbath to Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Because it's the day that Jesus rose from the dead, so to kind of mark right. that that redemption. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so Jesus re and that happened uh, in the New Testament. So it's not like we're you know <laughs> we, it's in the Bible, Bible yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, right. That, that they that, yeah they met on the Lord's Day as they called it. Right, so. right. So, so that day where where Jesus did actually uh, redeem the world for eternity by rising from the dead. 
Um, so so that, that, that's that's how to inform our, our Sabbath day. So let's go to the fourth commandment, um, and we'll, we'll talk about authority. Okay. Honor your father and your mother. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise or anger our parents and other authorities, but honor them, serve and obey them, love and cherish them. All right. So uh, the fourth commandment uh, protects this this um, gift and institution that God has given us of authority. Uh, and of course, the, the, the kind of the fundamental, uh, most basic authority is our parents, mom and dad. Um, and God gives them to us to kind of image uh, himself to, uh, to, to us as, as children, right? And so we, we honor our father and our mother because they kind of hold that office of like representing God to, to us. Um, so, so that's what it protects. And uh, I would say it, it, it promises something in that, hey, when, when Jesus comes back uh, and, and restores the creation to what it should be, we're, we're going to have that perfect relationship with the ultimate authority, our heavenly, what does he call himself? Our heavenly father, right? Uh, to where we have that that beautiful relationship with him. Um, but but the fourth commandment also does something interesting because the fourth commandment kind of serves as a bridge between the two tables of the law. So you can almost imagine uh, when Moses went up to the mountain to meet God and God gave him the two tablets uh, to, to bring the Ten Commandments back down to the Israelites. Um, you can kind of imagine like each of those is like uh, what we might call a table. So that the, the um, you've got one set of commandments on one and the other, the last set on the other. And the fourth commandment is kind of like a bridge between the two. So how, how is it like a bridge between the two? Yeah, the so the fourth commandment is always categorized with the, the ones that relate to the neighbor, right? So the first three commandments are about our relationship with God. And then the next, the rest of them are about our relationship, our horizontal relationships yeah. with each other. And that, when Jesus summarizes the law later and he says, you know, that it's love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, that sums up those two tables, right? Yeah. The first three are God and the rest. But the interesting thing about the fourth commandment is that um, parents and other authority figures image God's authority. So when you respect your parents and you honor them, you're not only honoring them, but you're honoring the fact that God has ultimate authority over your life and he has given these parents to you as a gift. Mm -hmm. So even if you, you know, have parents who aren't perfect, I don't know if anybody has that experience, but you may have parents that aren't worthy of honor all the time. Um, and, and in that case, you're still called to honor them because their authority comes from God. God created you in the context of that relationship with your parents. Mm -hmm. And respecting them is a way that we show um, respect for God, respect for his creation of us and his provision for us, um, you know, when we're in our early years. Right. Now, that's not to say that, like, you know, honoring does not always mean, like, you know, letting yourself be treated in, in really bad ways. There's, there's, that's like a whole separate conversation. So don't hear me saying that we don't need to, we don't have time for that conversation tonight, yeah. but you know, yeah. So parents image God's provision and care and authority in the lives of their children. And we all honor our parents, no matter what age we are. And you notice this commandment is not given just to children. Um, it says, 
honor your father and your mother to everyone. Right. So even if you're a grown up, there's still an honoring of your father and mother that come into play in the life of a Christian. Mm -hmm. And you'll also notice that both your father and your mother are listed. So it's yeah. not, you know, there's not like, um, you know, in some sort of fundamentalist churches, there's like this hierarchy where it's like there's the dad and then there's the mom and then there's the kids. When scripture talks about honoring parents, it's always the father and the mother. They have like equal kind of yeah, uh, over authority the, over, the over their children. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, let's go to the fifth commandment uh, and, and talk about uh, not killing people. Yeah, don't kill people. Stop okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> you shall not murder. Um, what does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and support him in every physical need. Mm. So so what, what the fifth commandment here is protecting, uh, maybe it's fairly obvious, is the gift of life. That, that God designs us to have lives. Um, I mean, he originally designed us to have eternal life, uh, but, but even when we lost that, he still is giving us the gift and, and, and protection of our lives. And so uh, maybe, of course, it's also obvious what he's promising then is actually to um, give us eternal life, to, to restore our lives, uh, to, to live for forever. It is incredible that honor your father and mother comes before this. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, well, it's important. And I think that it's, it's um, you know, a father and mother who actually kind of give you life in a sense. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know? So they kind of go in order yeah. in a sense. But, of course, they're all tied together with God's authority. So, mm -hmm. like, we don't kill each other, not only because, you know, we like each other and it's not nice, but also out of respect for the fact that God created that person. Right. And everyone is made in God's image. Right. And so not only do we protect life, but we take care of each other because every person is an image bearer. Every person has value to God, and therefore they have value to us. Um, so their needs are important to us. Yeah. So so if, if you uh, were planning on killing somebody, bad news for you, or maybe good news for you is that the Fifth Commandment says not to, but but if you were not planning on killing somebody, uh, how does this commandment still apply to you? Yeah, I think right? we covered that. It's like <laughs> helping, you know, people's needs, right? Yeah, like people's yeah. physical needs, their bodily needs right. are important, and we can all you know, take care of each other. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, th this is actually caring for people, uh, no, no matter their stage of life, whether they're in the womb or on the brink of the tomb. Right. Uh, it, this is caring for people, uh, no matter what what skin color they have, no matter what nationality they are, no matter what religion they are. It's it's saying, uh, no matter what, God still gave them the the gift of life and. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we honor, respect, and and care for that life, um, and so so that that's why it's not simply just not committing murder. All right, the sixth commandment. Sixth commandment. Let's read from Catechism, and then, and then we'll go we to have a scripture. Five. Okay. Um, <clears throat> you shall not commit adultery. What does this mean? We should fear and love God, so that we lead a sexually pure and decent life in what we say and do, and husband and wife love and honor each other. So this is almost following like the the lifespan of a person, right? Mm -hmm. From 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 parents who give you the gift of life, yeah. and then you grow up and you get married, right? You leave father and mother and and uh, hold fast to to your spouse. So um, so looking then at Ephesians chapter five, 
verses 22 to 23, uh, as we listen to this, let's listen for what, what God calls husbands and wives to do, and, and then also why God gives the gift of marriage. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Hmm. Nice. So, um, so of course, the sixth commandment is talking about not committing adultery. So it's it's not having um, any sort of uh, sexual um, relations or activity outside of of marriage. Mm -hmm. So marriage being between this this one one man and one woman, right? And within that, um, uh, Paul says that this mystery of marriage is profound, but refers to, to what? Uh, Christ and the church. Christ and the church. So, so that fundamentally, um, marriage is this, this relationship between Christ and his bride, the church. So did you know that Jesus was married, right? Uh, he, he's married to, to the church. And so our marriages get to reflect his relationship, his love, his commitment uh, to his bride. Uh, and, and so... Uh, that means that we also reflect the same in our marriages, so that that husbands care for their wives uh, as as Christ cares for the church, and and wives love their husbands as the church loves Christ. Um, and and within that, you you have this beautiful picture of what commitment is, and what love is, and what um, dying to yourself and, and self sacrifice is um, as a lifelong commitment. Yeah, and marriage is also for the benefit of others, of, of creation, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, like, one of the things that marriage protects is children. Like, marriage is better for children. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so just as, like, God gives the gift of father and mother to children um, when they're born to image his care, mm -hmm. um, it is ideally like the goal is for every child to have a married father and mother and so the sixth commandment also protects that yeah as well right right so uh so ultimately what the sixth commandment is protecting is this institution of marriage but really this institution that is a picture of what Christ's kind of relationship is with us and of course that's fulfilled uh that, that promise is fulfilled ultimately when Christ returns uh to um, continue to be one with us to to uh, enter uh, Bible even talks about how the resurrection is like the marriage feast of the lamb uh, it's this it's this con great consummation and a wedding feast um, to where we're going to be dwelling with um, Jesus forever as, as he dwells with his bride uh, let's go to uh, the seventh commandment then you shall not steal. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not take our neighbor's money or possessions or get them in any dishonest way. 
but help him to improve and protect his possessions and income. Nice. So the seventh commandment is protecting really the uh, God's gift of stuff. Property. Uh, property. Yeah. Uh, that, that everything we have comes from God. That it's all it's all from Him as, as a gift to us for our, for our benefit, um, and also actually our neighbor's benefit. Uh, so it's it's protecting the fact that hey we we want to um, not only uh, acknowledge that the things that God has given to our neighbor are our neighbors but but help them in protecting and preserving that um, but that that also means that God wants us to be using our earthly goods as gifts and and so not necessarily even just hoarding them for ourselves but when we see somebody else who is going without to recognize that what we have is simply a gift from God and maybe to to share that generously with them as well. And so what God promises them is that because he is the father who gives us all good things, in the resurrection, when Jesus comes back, uh, we can depend on him to provide abundantly, uh, to, to give us all that we need and, and much more. So that's the seventh commandment. Let's go to the eighth commandment then. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. Mm. So the Eighth Commandment protects the, the uh, institution of kind of like a good name or reputation, reputation uh, that, that God gives to us. So um, so, so that we would speak highly of others. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and so what this actually protects then um, is, is that reputation and, and, and a promise then also is that at the return of Christ and, and even right now, um, you no longer have the reputation of you as a sinner. Uh, you have the reputation of Jesus himself, that he gives you his name. He gives you his righteousness, his good relationship. Um, and so when God sees you, you no longer he no longer sees your sins. He sees Christ. Um, and, and so we in the church um, strive to see each other the way that God sees us. Yeah. Um, yeah. We struggle with this one. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I feel like this is the commandment that people like break without realizing they're breaking it the most. Because I think usually we just take it as don't lie. Yeah. Like when you're a kid, this is simplified for you as don't lie. And it leads to sort of like strange for me. I was like, well, really, there's never a setting for lying. Like, mm -hmm. what if, you know, you're trying to save somebody from the bad guys? You know, like you can well, always you come up with those ethical. Yeah. Though, yeah. no, but this this is much clearer. The commandment is much clearer and, and much more, much harder than don't lie. It's mm -hmm. protect the reputation of your neighbor. So like don't assume bad things about people and don't talk negatively about people. Yeah. Like even if they deserve it. Yeah. Like it doesn't say, <laughs> it doesn't say, you know, about your, yeah. About your, your honest and upright neighbor. Right. It, it just says your neighbor. So sometimes explaining everything in the kindest way is like, well, uh, the evidence does point to the fact that that person murdered someone. You can't explain that in a nice way, but you can just stop there. I mean, you know, yeah. that was an extreme example, but <laughs> like there are less extreme examples, you know, like, yeah, just, just, just like, just, well, why would she say that? Why would she do that? Like, you know, and, you know, and like maybe she giving them the benefit he, of the doubt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, yep. And, and we see this broken all the time in our world. You know, I mean, we have like an entire 
election process and government system that almost is, it is uh, yeah. built, upon. built upon the breaking of the eighth commandment. Right, right, right. <laughs> but we in the church we can do differently. So yeah, you know we don't we don't go around behind each other's backs talking to each other about each other mm-hmm. or, or anything like that. How, in how the do church. we speak highly of each other? And if we can't do that, then just don't speak at all. Yeah. Right? Right. Well, let's go to the very last one then, and actually we're doing so a the twofer. The ninth and the tenth uh, together. Bundle. I'll yeah. read them. All right. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not scheme to get our neighbor's inheritance or house or get it in a way which only appears right, but help and be of service to him in keeping it. So it's the ninth commandment. Here's a tenth. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not entice or force away our neighbor's wife, workers, or animals, or turn them against him, but urge them to stay and do their duty. So this is kind of talking, so the Ninth Commandment kind of talks about coveting our neighbor's stuff. So maybe we're not stealing it, but we're still we uh, not satisfied with our own stuff and, and wanting their stuff instead. And then the Tenth Commandment kind of talks about relationships. So that it, we're, we're not satisfied with the relationships that God has given us. We, we'd rather have our, our neighbor's relationships. And, and this is really talking about how man, we, we should be um, satisfied with the life that God gives to us. And, and see the blessings that, that God gives to us. So this is really protecting, protecting a life of satisfaction contentment. and contentment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so how do, how do Christians talk about dependence and satisfaction? I, I think that we talk about how we, we depend simply on what God gives to us as gifts. Um, and it's not to say that it's, it's wrong to ever um, desire more or desire things to be different. Um, but but also to, to recognize that God is the one who will see us through even when we don't have what we th- think would be ideal. Right, and to trust God for the things that we feel we lack instead of looking at what our neighbor has going on mm-hmm. um, instead, you know, that we trust God that he has, he has a relationship with that neighbor and he has a relationship with us, and we're trusting in his goodness that he'll provide. Right, right. So uh, that, that kind of brings us to the end of the Ten Commandments. Uh, please prepare any uh, thoughts or questions you have uh, for, for our discussion in class. Um, and you can look at the three questions we have there. Thanks for joining us.